Time Podcast. This is all about doing content differently. I'm your host, Fiona, and today I am joined by LinkedIn expert, Sabrina Lee. On today's show, Sabrina is sharing some amazing LinkedIn tips and some of the things that you can really put into your business straight away and that's a bit of a challenge as well. It's a great episode. It's an amazing conversation. You're going to get loads out of it, so I'm going to get right Right, I want to talk about your your business, the Impact Agency. So, because I've sort of seen you through through Tanya and through everyone else in the vegan community, but I feel like the Impact Agency has really evolved like quite rapidly over yeah. the past few years, and you've really become quite clear in your niche who you're targeting and what message it is you're you're giving to people. How did you get to that point? What's your journey to where you are today? Okay, so I started out as a kind of charity consultant. So I was fundraising, um, I was doing kind of impact and evaluation research and things like that. And um, I basically just went in 2017, I became a vegan and was really interested in plant-based living and have a really strong um, feeling that it is the way the world needs to go in order for, you know, people, individuals really to have an impact on climate change. I think it's just one of the easiest win-win situations in which we can actually um, make a change. So um, at the end of the sort of like uh, late 2020, I decided to kind of pivot and take a lot of the skills that I developed in my fundraising career into kind of helping vegan and plant-based businesses do their marketing. Um, And specifically on LinkedIn, because marketing is so huge digital marketing is so huge I can't do everything but I kind of think like if you actually focus on like one platform and make it work for you um I think it sort of saves sanity and it kind of gets you leads and, and new clients as well so so yeah and that's basically what happened and I was just kind of like I really want to um be able to make an impact on you know helping us move towards a plant-based world uh, so yeah, so I just decided to focus there, and it was a lot about. To be honest with you, Fiona, it was a lot. It was a lot of curiosity. So I was just kind of like, I'm just going to see if I can. You know, I've got these skills. I'm just going to see if I can, you know, do the classic lockdown pivot <laughs> and like shift it into something that helps vegan and plant based businesses. And I had a growing network anyway, so I was like, I'm going to give this a go. And um, yeah, amazingly, it's kind of working. You know, so it's been good. So amazingly, but you've been getting some great results. Like you're really good at sharing your results on LinkedIn, but you've been getting some great results for people as well, which yeah. is what they need, isn't it? So it it looks like it's a natural step for you to do that. Um, one of the main, one of the best results, I think, is that I've helped people just get over this overwhelm with LinkedIn. So people are kind of like, okay, social media can't really hack it, don't want to be everywhere, and I'm like, okay, why don't you just focus on LinkedIn? LinkedIn is going to be where your clients are it's where people have a bit more cash it's where people are open to you networking and open to you connecting with them whereas some of the other ones you know people would be a bit more sort of standoffish if you connected with someone that you know they didn't know um so it's built that content and then have them out of their shell when they're kind of connecting with people but also in terms of them showing what they can do um and I think what people really resonate with with this with kind of my approach is that I'm about helping people show how they help people and not that they're selling anything so people a lot of people come to me most of my clients are women by the way and they hate the idea of being salesy 
they absolutely hate it. Um, and I'm like, look, you don't have to be salesy. You just have to show how you take people, how you take help people solve their problems. Mm. Um, that sort of works, you know. And all of that stuff, I all that stuff was what I did in my fundraising career. Really, I was showing like funders, etc., how we solve problems um, for communities, for people, for animals, for the environment, that kind of thing. Um, and I think if you have that that real philosophy. Um, of showing your value proposition rather than, you know, just what you do, um, people will will listen. See, I find it interesting because you'd said it's women who are saying they don't like being sold to. And I think perhaps women have this, goodness knows I do, and I know many other people of, of that thing of where you're being told what you should do. And it just, even when you're talking, then saying, you know, I've been sold to the idea of being sold to makes you just go like physically like create a cocoon around yourself and so I think it goes back to that thing you said a few minutes ago about how you're creating relationships and that that's more important yeah absolutely so I feel that in the net in the last eight months since I've been I've basically been selling I mean I've got them inverted commas uh, LinkedIn services for about eight months. So it hasn't been long, um, but um, yeah, the, really what I've really done is made a lot of friends, actually. I've just been really friendly, really open. Um, I really am just me. I definitely am not trying to be anybody else. And that's what I encourage other people to do. It's like, you've got skills, you can definitely support and help people. Um, just reach out and show, you know, reach out and show them, ask them questions as well about how they're doing and be genuinely interested in the answers, you know. Um, and I think that's how it works. And um, you also mentioned, I think, as well, like better to have a small, um, really kind of committed network or people who you really do resonate with, who really um, do kind of will be the sort of people who will grow to know, like and trust you than this massive, great big network of people who are very unlikely to be your people. Absolutely. And also, you've started doing loads more videos. Sorry, I know this wasn't in the questions, but you started doing loads more videos on there, which is entirely noticeable. Has that has that been easy to do or difficult, or has it taken you, like, swallow a glass of wine and then do it? <laughs> Love it. You know, I do hate doing it, Fiona, to be honest with you, but I just kind of pull on my big girl pants and do it because I just know that people really need to connect with you as a person and they see you. The best thing you can do really is they see you on the screen and they get an idea for your energy. So um, I I much prefer writing. I am quite introverted and I much prefer to write. If you I'd much rather write long form text posts, (laughs) blogs and articles but no one reads articles on LinkedIn anymore. So unfortunately, they are a bit dead at the moment. So videos are really a bit of a way forward. Um, and I do think with, with LinkedIn, it is a bit about just getting over yourself and just going for it. And I'm thinking of the things that I'm quite fearful of and just pushing myself to do them because I just realised that that's where you get the confidence then. Once you do the thing that scares you, you can't wait to have confidence to do it. It doesn't come from waiting around or reading books about videos. <laughs> you just got to do them. 
That's so true. You are far braver than me. There's a reason this podcast only uses the audio and not the video, because I'm like... No, no, I think you'd be brilliant on video. Um, you know, know, nice to see your face and hear your voice and everything. <laughs> I'm getting better. I put a photo on LinkedIn of me and my vegan runner's top looking all sweaty at the end of a fell race. That was, that was big for me to do that. Really, to do that personal, yeah, to out, kind of out yourself as a... <laughs> As a, someone who'll be appear on, on LinkedIn with their photo. But do you know what? Actually, that got the most interactions of any post I've ever done. Yes, and I was be. I was sat there looking at it going, God damn that. I don't want to do that again. Yeah, I hate to, I hate to say it, Fiona, but those personal posts are really, really great on LinkedIn. And they get, they get so many more views. So I really encourage my clients to kind of like put out those those personal kind of like you know about your journey or something you're interested in um yeah they do they, they do really well stupid people interested in people <laughs> <laughs> how dare they no, Why can't they just... go ahead yeah so. I put up a picture of my little niece the other day my 18 month old niece because I'd spent the day looking after her instead of working and it was the most tiring day I'd had for a while <laughs> I'm not around kids very much and honestly the views I got on that post and the, and the comments and likes were, were phenomenal compared to anything about work because <laughs> <laughs> you'll get all the working parents being like yep you see it now <laughs> I I, you know, I totally acknowledged that in the post well I was like guys honestly huge kudos <laughs> it's it's amazing so you, you do really make it clear the businesses that you work with and that is, the, you know, the vegan and the plant-based and the ethical businesses. And the, the marketplace has changed phenomenally in the last three years, let alone last five or so years. Um, how do you see that developing? And how how do you how do you think coach your clients through this idea that what what once worked like? five years ago of you could just build something and the vegans would show up for it to now you've got to compete with the big boys on this yeah oh gosh that's that is a really really good question so um that's exactly what is what is happening like this now this market is becoming quite quite saturated you've got sort of like you know the big players like Unilever and stuff like that all creating plant-based um items and products and then you also have an awful lot of kind of greenwashing as well going on where people just sort of like espousing these green principles, but it's not really, it's not really working. Um, I think the, the really the key thing is about like authenticity, I think. And the, the fact that people, I, I mainly work with service professionals, to be honest with you, Fiona. So you, I tend to work with people who are their business they actually run the services they they do the things themselves so it's people are really buying them in a way and their energy and that's why I really encourage video and if you can go live and things like that that's great um because you know those bigger companies they are quite faceless and they're not really they don't really have any of that kind of authentic kind of um thing going on so yeah so that's that's the kind of place we come from with that um but yeah, there's, it's definitely, um, I think now we're starting to see that it's not enough to just be vegan or plant-based. You have to have other um, other kind of USPs in your in your arsenal, really. Um, yeah, 
So about finding those out. What are your unique value propositions and making sure they're clear? Clarity on LinkedIn is very important. (laughs) You know, making it really clear. It's so, I I completely agree with you there. You had me thinking, you know, when you're talking about the greenwashing, that there's lots of businesses. I don't know if you find this, that I don't want to call it bandwagon jumping, but I feel like it's more that they're saying the right things, but their actions don't follow it through all the time. Um, Brewdog is a very good example of this. And I I felt felt like a little bit heartbroken at Brewdog Mm. for treating their staff like that. But I also felt, did their response fall short some way? Because they did try their best to respond to it. But I don't know, how do you feel about like the greenwashing and the, the saying the right things rather than doing the right things? Yeah, I think we do have to be really careful with that, don't we? I mean, I've been looking into a little bit. So, for example, um, or as environmental or mm. um, eco-conscious or whatever, they, you know, there are kind of, and definitely things like organic and things like that, because in some ways it's, there's very low standards for these things. So I think having those kind of higher standards is really is really important. Um, I think unfortunately it, people are jumping on it and just using it as marketing terminology. You know that's going to attract more people, um, and so having kind of things in place which actually which actually do um, show that companies are doing the right things is great so I've been looking at how I could work more with B Corps because I think those are the ones that have really it's a very strenuous process to get B Corp accreditation um, and you don't do it lightly you know that kind of thing so I think it would be quite interesting to start looking at those kind of credit accreditations and standardized you know standards as well have um, you have you run your business through the B Corp testing lab no I haven't but I should I haven't done that yet I've got scared <laughs> oh it's an I have but I did, yeah, it, I I did it, with, I did it with mine because I'm like if I want to write for these companies I should really you know understand what the yeah. testing lab is and I went through it and it was so eye-opening of the amount of stuff because I think I'm pretty much carbon I'm not carbon neutral but I'm pretty much there like I have a computer so obviously I use carbon I have wi-fi so I use carbon um and I'm vegan so you'd think that that would reduce but it it's much bigger than that yeah. it's like it's having all those things in place and it's yeah even for a one-person band it's really eye-opening of there is more that we can do no no it's not and um like you're saying you know like even for a, a, a solopreneur right we still have to think about like um supply chain as well I guess don't we because we're buying in all these different services which you kind of need to um you know are we you know obviously we're using like when you um uh, you know eco-conscious energy suppliers and things like that but there's probably a lot more that we can do um and I think every small business should should put their should put it through the B Corp um thing especially in light of what we've just seen um in the news the last couple of days um it's been actually really eye-opening it it has and the well they have something on there where you they ask are you tracking your carbon footprint and i'll be honest i'm not and it's just that is such a simple thing you can do to understand like we track we track so many different metrics in our business why aren't we tracking our environmental metrics yeah that's very important um Fiona I think probably as a probably as people who work for themselves 
Um, we don't sort of like automatically think about doing that, but it's definitely something we should do, especially if we really, you know, want to be working with ethical and eco conscious businesses. Um, so it's something I'm going to actually try and do now, I think, because I think it's really important. It is absolutely important, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, you shared something on LinkedIn recently, and you probably know what question's coming up here, which <laughs> I, th- I thought was really, I was like, oh, that's interesting. But you shared your prices very publicly on a LinkedIn post. I and did. you had some quite interesting reactions to it. So I'm I just did. wondering... <laughs> One, that's a very brave thing to do. What inspired you to do it? And two, what is the outcome of that post? Okay, interesting. Well, uh, it was actually a very interesting post, the feedback that I got on it, because I even got some private feedback as well. Um, So uh, firstly, I was inspired to do it because I find it very difficult um, when I can't find people's prices. Um, And it was actually, the post was also about the fact that I find that people don't really talk about what they actually offer in a very clear way. So I see a lot of people posting about, um, you know, who they are and how they help and all this kind of stuff. But I'm like, well, but actually, how do you deliver that service? So um, is it kind of an eight-week coaching program or is it a training program? Is it do-it-yourself? Is it mentorship or whatever? Um, and then also I find sometimes I want to inquire, but I don't know if that, say, coach or mentor or whatever, is in the same ballpark uh, financially of what I'm looking at, if you see what I mean. Mm. Um, so I, I struggle with that a little bit and I actually really think transparency is best. <laughs> Um, so that's why I decided to be brave and do it and put it out there, um, exactly how much I charge and exactly what I do. Um, and some of the, so some of the feedback I got was that people who charge sort of high tickets, what they try and do is get people onto a call and then, um, they basically kind of talk through their service in a way that will make the person believe they just can't live without it. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And then they'll hit them with the massive price tag. And something about that just doesn't sit right with me. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, but I just feel like, um, you know, sure, you don't want to be doing things like exchanging your time for money and you might want to have, you know, have your programs and all this kind of stuff where you you have a particular program cost. But, um, yeah, something about that just doesn't really work for me. Um, and I had a couple of people reach out to me and in actually quite a concerned way, tell me I was too cheap. <laughs> and that, that the fact that my, um, one of my, one of my um, services is, is a little bit on the low side because I was uh, basically beta testing it and now it needs to be increased, but that, that could actually um, negatively impact my client acquisition, if you like. Mm. Uh, and I understand that. I understand that because, um, you know, uh, you want your your you want your prices, I guess, to be commensurate with the value that you that you provide. You don't want it to be too cheap. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So it was yeah. It was an, it was quite an interesting process. But to yeah. share it on social media, I'd never actually thought of doing that, and I really like that idea as a piece of content because when you think about it, you go into a shop you see the price of the products you're going to buy. Totally. Buying a service is no different, is it? No, no. 
I, I totally agree with you. And that was also part of the thinking, just that, you know, you're you're much more likely to purchase something in a shop if you know how much it costs. I mean, have, if you've ever been into a shop where you don't see the prices, you very rarely take anything up to the cashier. <laughs> um, you might go and ask or whatever, but you'd ask straight away, wouldn't you? So in those shops, I turn around and walk straight back out. Yeah, because it's too you, expensive. Too expensive, exactly. Because they haven't they haven't actually priced it. So I think that's it. It's, you know, it's almost like what? Why are we not talking about our prices? Sort of what? What? What is that about our money mindset that doesn't allow us to kind of just say, look, this is how much we charge. Um, I think it might be a money mindset issue that causes people to be. A little bit concerned about how much they charge um and I, I really I yeah I think if it's if it works for you if you you know if you'd like to put it out on social media absolutely go for it and if you're if you're not doing it maybe it's worth just digging around in the in the thought process as to why you're not doing it also I was I was quite curious as to whether it's a good piece of market research for you to understand because you know, no one talks about their pricing. No one really shares it. So how do we know that we are at the right level? And I know all the arguments of if someone wants it enough, they'll pay whatever they need to, to get it. But, yeah. you know, if, if if you hadn't have done that, would you have known you were undercharging? It's or, really- yeah. Did you, did you feel you were undercharging? You, are you quite happy with your pricing and you're just like, just leave me alone, everyone? <laughs> No, I definitely feel I'm undercharging, I'm undercharging, especially in the um in the for the course. The, um, yeah, so it, because because that was the one I was um kind of testing out, and you know it was kind of like an early bird offer, um but I hadn't actually really reviewed it. So we're now on the sort of I'm in the third third month and the third cohort of the course, and it hasn't gone up. So next month it really needs to go up, and um the price that I'm charging now will be just the DIY course because it's all online. It's all available with all of the templates and the worksheets and everything online. Um, but there'll be no kind of access to me for that price. And I'll, I'll increase it for um, the kind of coaching, the group coaching um, facilitation that you get. But I, yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree. I think that um, a lot of what we, what we post on social media and LinkedIn is really good market research. You get you get quite an interesting response um, from people for lots of things, um, and so it's a re- it is a really good way to test things out. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I think a lot of the time, the, the the cost that you're charging is not the thing that kind of will deter somebody from um, working with you, whatever they'll, it'll be something like the time that it takes or something like that. Um, So, so yeah, so prices are, it's a really interesting, (laughs) it's a really interesting part of, um, part of, um, I guess, delivering your services, isn't it? Um, You don't really think about it when you start, you start your own business. You think, Oh, just, I'll just charge that. Then you think, Oh gosh, there's so much behind that actually. Um, that I need to work through. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I think a lot of us just pick a number out of thin air and hope for the best with I think it. We do. So I, yeah. I'm, I'm behind you. I'm, I'm not quite brave enough myself yet to do a post on how much I charge, but I, I'm absolutely behind you that I think more people should do it. So other people can go do it first, and then I might follow. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Just watch a few other people do it. I mean, I've seen, yeah, I've seen a couple of people do it. And I have to say, 
that when I've seen those posts, I've just felt like, oh, I'm now so much more clear on what that person does and how much it will cost me to be involved, <laughs> you know? Um, so it's kind of like now I can make a bit more of an informed decision, which is really helpful for your client. It- it absolutely um, is. And I'd never really considered yeah. it that way that people might benchmark their budget against what you charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there is that to think about. Yeah. I mean, people have to do whatever they're, you know, they feel really empowered and comfortable to do. So I would never sit here and say, oh, Fiorita, you should go out and do it. <laughs> um, but it's worth thinking it through. It's thinking it through because, um, you know, really with what I think fine with LinkedIn is, is is people are more likely to uh, find people who you want to want to see your your profile are more likely to find you on LinkedIn because you're building a network of people who you like to like to work with, obviously. Um, so they're more likely to find your prices and your information on LinkedIn than they are going to your website. So you know, but if you've got it on your website, that's also a good thing. So many people don't even have it on their website. That's just, but do you know, I've never considered it that way, that people are more likely to find you on LinkedIn, so why wouldn't you put it on there? You have yeah. given me thoughts, processes there for that one. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. I would see, I would see my, my LinkedIn profile as like a mini website, really. Um, and because I'm every, you know, I, I really, really believe in making connections you know every day and starting conversations etc etc so you're you're building a a network of people that you really want to see your profile um that's going to be so much better than someone googling you and trying to find your website um unless you're you know unless you're really um doing well with seo uh i'm not a big expert in seo by the way but but linkedin i just find is a great way to kind of just dive divert traffic over to your profile so I've got a couple of questions here on this. The first one is um, how much of what happens on LinkedIn happens behind the scenes? Like it's not posting content. Uh, oh, so apart from posting content, you mean what, what else is going on? Yeah. So I, I yeah. do you in most of your networking through DMs and in groups and using the stuff that might not not necessarily be seen on the LinkedIn feed yeah yeah no for sure so um posting content is actually only one of the sort of one of the strategies or one part of the strategy um for using LinkedIn well so definitely um you know I have a like a DM strategy for finding the type of people I want to add to my network and starting conversations with them you know asking asking questions and um because the more you can talk to people in DMs, the more they will then see your content and then you'll sort of build that rapport, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's obviously engaging with those um, people who are, you know, identify as your ideal client as well. Um, so making sure that you um, are acting on LinkedIn, engaging in posts, liking and, and, and commenting on posts and responding to any comments on your posts as well. Um, and, yeah, certainly. Groups are not great on LinkedIn. They are a little bit passive. They don't really do much, but but they're, they're great to have because they're really great ways for you to find um, people who are your ideal clients and then connect with them. Um, so I definitely do a lot of that as well, finding good groups. The same thing happens with events. Uh, so you can go into, uh, you can do a search for events and find events that your ideal client might 
go to and you know you'll find some people in there as well so there's a lot of there's a lot of that going on behind the scenes and not to mention that you might want to um you know have a process of connecting with and having um conversations in the dms with your existing uh, contacts as well so it's not just about building new contacts and bringing new people in but it's also about making sure you're having some conversations with people in your existing network um and the great thing about LinkedIn is that it's it's essentially like a a, a mini Google for people you know, <laughs> you know. So you can you can really go in and and search for people, filter them, you know, um, and and chat with them, have you know have conversations with them as well. So there's that going on. Uh, what else is going on? Uh, there's lots of sort of other things you sort of need to go do on LinkedIn, like you need to make sure you manage your connection requests and you withdraw any connection requests that haven't been um, accepted within two weeks. Um, so there's lots of sort of, yeah, there's lots of kind of a bit of tidying up going on behind the scenes, making sure your profile is is up to date and you've got all the things optimised. Um, yeah, that kind of thing, really. I would, I could, it, can, it can let me on to another thought because um, they've recently brought out voice notes on LinkedIn yeah. DMs. Do you send voice notes? Yes. Yeah, so I so I use my <laughs> LinkedIn as a bit of a trial and error kind of experimental training ground so that I can then pass it on to my clients. Um, so sometimes I feel like, oh cringe, you know, the things I've the things I've done. Yeah. Um, so I voice notes are brilliant, but definitely don't use them as the opening as the opening thing. I think then people just either they don't have time or they're a bit affronted by the idea that they've got this voice note in their inbox and they don't have a clue who you are. So what I tend to do is I do use voice notes, but I I tend to have just a couple of very short messages back and forth before I then use a voice note. And then I find um, if you've had some rapport building going on, then people will listen to your voice note and and then often come back with very positively and say, oh, it was really nice to hear you. And yeah, you know, you know for example I use a voice note to ask people if they would like something that is um a free um and quick and easy way to to solve a problem on LinkedIn so it's kind of like a you know you know the classic kind of lead magnet type thing um and I just offer them something free that's usually what I do in a voice note I don't try and get people onto a call or try and sell them anything in a voice note it's just a kind of friendly, um, yeah. Would you would you like something that I can offer you that's going to help? Oh, I love a good voice note. I really do. Mostly, yeah, I don't do have to. I don't have to type everything out with my thumb on my phone. So I'm like, oh. no, I know what you mean. So after a while, I do. I just like have a couple of quick short messages, and then it's just easy. You could be doing it wherever. You could be in Tesco sending, you know, voice notes, which is great, isn't it? <laughs> I do I do love that it just takes like a tenth of the time as well my other question around this as well is what's the biggest mistake you see people make on LinkedIn um okay the biggest mistake I see people make on LinkedIn there's I mean there's there's quite there's quite a few sorry but I just have to think about this I'll go through them all if you want <laughs> right okay well first of all is is not bringing themselves to the party, so not doing anything personal, um, and it all being very businessy, 
businessy. I think a lot of people have realized you can't just do promotional sales posts all the time and that stops. You don't see that all the time. So I wouldn't say that's a mistake people are making a lot anymore. Um, I think people don't make enough use of um, direct messages to build relationships with people and they're probably just focusing on getting content out. Um, One major mistake that will really um, hold your visibility back is if you don't engage across the platform. So what one of the, I'll just give a tip about this, but what I do is I save the um, the profile URLs of about, I've got about 10 people who I consider to be kind of influencers. Mm. <laughs> they're kind of, they're mainly kind of like vegan people with lots of followers. And um, I make sure that periodically I go and engage on their content um, and, you know, type, uh, put in um, comments, useful comments and things like that. Um, so that you, you know, you daily really want to be, want to be engaging in some, in some posts, um, or either of your ideal clients or of people who, um, a lot of your ideal clients will be following so that they can see you there on the platform. Um, so again, I, I track what happens with, with, um, I've got sort of analytics and things like that on, on LinkedIn. And, um, I've noticed when my visibility goes down is when I haven't really spent the time engaging. That is one of the key things. So I definitely recommend that. Um, and yeah, those are, those are the key things really. I think having a holistic strategy across LinkedIn is probably your best bets. And if you let any one of them drop, it will have an effect. I think you're right. I think you've, um, definitely given me a lot to think about given that I'm like sat around on LinkedIn most days anyway and that's where I do my networking that is like a huge insight into stuff that's being missed and that's quite easy to miss as well yeah but yeah that's that's very useful um I will link in the show notes to your LinkedIn download as well because I've got that and I think it's absolutely brilliant so even if you even if you think like you're getting the hang of LinkedIn and know what you're doing on there and you're like, ah, oh, I've got this started. There's always still more stuff to learn because you can't learn everything. Totally. And they change it all. It's changing all the time. So we've now got creator mode, which is a whole new thing. So um, like I say, I test things out. So I'll have creator mode on for a month and see what happens there with views and um, comments and likes. Um, and connections because obviously if you're in creator mode it defaults to following rather than connecting with you um and then you've got cover stories have you got a nice cover story fiona i have not got a nice cover story i i do you'd be amazed to know i saw your i saw your video on cover stories and thought no i'm not doing that <laughs> love it yeah okay fair enough no no no. I, I, I totally get that if you don't really like being on video you don't really want to do a a 30 second pitch on video but that's essentially like something you you sort of get to do now so there's all these little features that pop up um that I'm, quite good I'm curious about creator mode actually and I don't know if this has come out in your testing but I've certainly noticed like a drop in reach on my post like a significant drop in reach on my post since turning on creator mode mm. which makes me suspicious about it so I may well yeah. turn back off again you know what, Fiona, I think mine's going off as well because I'm starting to feel very unloved with the reach that I've been getting lately. <laughs> it's very, it's very low compared to um compared to what I have before. I would say it's I would say it's dropped maybe 
um, 30%, probably more than that. Actually. Oh, my, my, mine's just, that. mine's been atrocious. Like posts that I know will do well have, yeah. have not done particularly well. But then saying that two weeks later, I'll get a lot of comments on them. And I'm like, what's this about? Interesting. So maybe it has sort of more longevity in the space because, yeah, but it's just not reaching as many people initially. I'm glad you said that though, because it makes me feel a bit better. I'm like, maybe I'm just being really boring on LinkedIn, which is not beyond all possibilities there. No, you're not. Your face is brilliant. <laughs> but yeah, I think that is what's happening. It's really, it is really odd. Um, so I don't really see it as a, um, as a, as a particularly um, amazing, new, exciting um, discovery. Um, because I think it, I think it, I think it is um, stopping so many people from seeing your content. Yeah, you might be right. That That is something to think about, especially if anyone's got creator mode switched on. I think it probably just needs testing to see. And do you know what? These things will change over time as well. Yeah, they will. No, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the algorithm changes often as well, which can be really frustrating. So uh, one minute, you know, um, Sorry, it's just gone out of my mind entirely. But one one minute articles are, are really good, and the next minute, no one is seeing an article in in the feed at all. Um, and then you know, one year they say, oh, third party scheduling tools are a complete abomination for LinkedIn, and now it's starting to become apparent that they're really not that they're not that bad for your reach at all. So if you wanted to schedule your content, um, you could be using a scheduler. That's the, the one thing that annoys me about LinkedIn and schedulers, and this is like across yeah. the board, is that you can't schedule video. It just... It will. It refuses to schedule video. You can't schedule video, polls, or documents. Yeah. You can't put documents up either. And I use a lot of documents because I love those little carousel posts, you know. They are fabulous. Yeah, they they are really good on LinkedIn. They're just a really good, you know, for your kind of advice posts and, you know, things like that. So you can only really schedule your your long form posts to be honest your um your text posts and your graphics or photos or whatever yeah although for someone who dislikes scheduling that that works quite well for me but when I want to take time off on holiday and don't have to sit on my phone uploading videos to client accounts it's um yeah problematic yeah totally I understand where you're coming from I, I'm, I'm not a fan, to be honest, I'm not a fan of, of scheduling either. Um, so I don't use it, but some people would much rather do it. Um, what I do is I, I, I lay it all out on a Trello board and then I just post it up every day. That's such good advice, that. Because then yeah. you, don't, you don't miss it. And you'd yeah. probably do that before scheduling anyway, wouldn't you? Well, yeah, you would. And I just think, well, what's, what, to be honest, how has the scheduler helped me then? Because... I'm going on LinkedIn anyway. Um, all I'm doing is I'm putting it in LinkedIn rather than the scheduler. So it's kind of scheduled, but it's in a Trello board. So I feel like I've got control. Yeah. Um, and I like that. Everything's in my Trello board, my templates for reaching out to people, um, all my hashtags, things, you know, things like that. I put everything in there. And it, um, yeah, I find it really handy, actually, for mapping out content for LinkedIn. Um. So I'm just going to move on a bit now. Um, so we, we discussed before, because you started one of the first vegan business networks in the UK, um, alongside with Tanya. 
Um, do you prefer in-person meetups or online ones? Um, obviously, they both have their their benefits, but being someone who's maybe a bit lazy, I actually think that the <laughs> online ones are great because I haven't got to like think about what to wear <laughs> and go somewhere. I look true, I'm, I'm honest, really, um, because we did do quite a few um, physical meetups in Bristol, and obviously they're they're quite. To be honest with you, they were lovely, but they're quite restrictive. We only had like about, you know, we had 20 people turn up. They're all from the city, whereas mm. whereas on, you know, if we do it online, we get people from all over the country, all over the world, um, which has been brilliant. I have to say that online networking is, yeah, I've got actually big thumbs up for online networking. <laughs> and then my last my last question for this. Before, I totally thank you for an hour of your time. I can't believe it's been an hour already. But I know. Do you have any advice for vegan businesses that want to stand out online? Oh, any advice for vegan businesses that want to stand out online? I mean, I think I just keep on harping back to the same old stuff, right? So <laughs> there's obvious stuff around being yourself, being authentic and being con- consistent with it. But the, the two things I think that we absolutely um, can do without, totally do without, is perfectionism and overthinking. <laughs> doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be done. And please don't overthink it when you're putting things on LinkedIn. You know, just go for it. The fact of the matter is, is things will be gone in 24 hours anyway. Not all of your network will see it. So it's better that you just get, you know, just get it out there and get it done. Um, it's not really specific to um, vegan businesses, um, but the advice I give to anyone who wants to start a vegan business is just totally go for it because the more we have, you know, the better. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just I really want to thank you for your time today. This has been so useful and so full of amazing advice. And I'll like link to your website and everything in the show notes where people can find you and your LinkedIn profile so they can all connect with you as well thank you for listening to today's show i hope you enjoyed it please do email in and let me know um you can go and follow sabrina i'll leave her linkedin profile in the show notes and download her linkedin guide which is fabulous i've been using it myself and can totally vouch for how great it is and filled with insights into how you can get more at your linkedin profile next week please tune in and I will be talking about hidden content pages. I'm going to be going over why you should be paying attention to the pages that aren't necessarily seen by many people in your business, but the people who do see them, they are super important. So tune in next week for that. It will be back to a short 10 minute through length episode. Have a great week.